Welcome to the OFD podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. Really bring it. I am your, I am your host, Joshua Bowles, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on oh, the SB Nation Network. And man, I am feeling loose like a goose tonight. With me, uh, cooking that goose, uh, Brendan McAlinden. Brendan, what's up, buddy? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Um, it has been two weeks now since the movie Frozen has taken a hold of my household and rendered unto Disney that which is Disney's. But finally, uh, there's a new movie, Onwards, come out, and it has replaced Frozen in my household. And never again will I have to suffer the slings and arrows of Joss Gad's uh, horrific character, Olaf. Uh, so thank you, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. Uh, for that <laughs> we have uh uh we i think tomorrow i told i mean honestly with this whole quarantine thing you know shooting your shot like all all at once is uh is is a nightmare of mine so uh we're kind of planning out certain things so tomorrow night was the uh, uh i think we're it'll be monday night so when you guys are listening to it tonight uh we're gonna do the the movie uh watch of uh onward so i'm excited i I thought the previews were great. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, don't give me any spoilers. Oh, I won't give you any spoilers. Um, it's right in my wheelhouse. So uh, uh, it almost got me a few times. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Anything's better than, I mean, Frozen 2 might be, it is it is the worst mainstream sequel. I mean, Disney doesn't do sequels very well at all anyways. No. But it might be the worst mainstream sequel that they've ever done, period. It's awful. I mean, we're on the same page. On this podcast, we stand for uh, Rapunzel and, first, and Tangled, right? I mean, we oh, we, yeah, tang- we ride or die with Tangled. And absolutely, Rider. absolutely. Uh, severely underrated, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it is the top dog. Um, I mean, Mandy Moore just belted out those songs. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, 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 the songs were just fantastic. You know, Frozen 1 was a great was a great movie. Enjoy, I enjoyed that. No, it had some good ditties. Uh, I enjoyed the enjoyed the uh, other than the titular uh, sort of um, uh, you know the 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 staple song, but I did like "Love's an Open Door" and um, you know some of the other songs. Uh, so you want to build a snowman, but uh, yeah. The the only thing that I liked about Frozen Two, the only thing was when they made fun of themselves for the uh, sexy Elsa walk. Uh, when, oh. Did that, I, that, when she was going through the um, the memories and she she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Yeah. 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 They they're a little self-aware about uh, about being sexy for the six year olds out there. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it is Disney and their history of uh, of all that is is well known. But uh, I don't know. I you know, I just have the the one daughter and she's 11 now. And uh, but. You know, God, we got every. I mean, Disney Plus has got it all, anyways. But we we have every Blu-ray, DVD of every Disney princess movie. I mean, and, and then some. Uh, you know, for the past fifty years, whatever the hell it is. I mean, we have a wide collection. Uh, but I haven't watched a lot of them. I mean, I'm a big Sleeping Beauty fan. I mean, I think I think that's top notch. No, uh, I get behind. God, there's so, the- many, so many, so many good ones. And the impressive part about those ones, when you look at the animation form and you figure that they're all hand drawn, 
Oh uh, yeah. Just the oh, most yeah. impressive part of the entire thing is uh, when you look at him and those, those backgrounds are, it's, it's art. It's an art. Um, those, those backgrounds that they had painted, that the actual paintings too. It's not like they had uh, colored pencils uh, and, or Crayola with their 164 uh, right. different colors. Old yeah, Robin Hood, cooking. I mean, that's got, that's got, oh, some, yeah. that's got some shit that slaps, man. I mean, <laughs> Old Lolly. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a good stuff going on. All right, so we are going to, uh, if, if you haven't noticed by now, uh, Jude is missing with us tonight. Uh, everyone, please uh, send out your thoughts and prayers to Jude and his family. They are, uh, they do have a family member that uh, it has been, um, you know, affected by the uh, by the COVID nineteen, the coronavirus, and uh, they're, you know, Jude. This this isn't a job. Jude needs some time. That's fantastic. Um, he needs to do that uh, and be with his family. Uh, but it, if you could all just take a, you know, a quick moment, uh, send out, you know, some prayers or good vibes out in the universe, uh, whatever it is you think um, uh, might help. And we really we'd really appreciate it. I know that he would, too, uh, and his family. Uh, it's at this time you're going to start to f- find that more and more people are probably going to, you know, this is going to affect more and more people. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just a, we're all in this together. Uh, so let's stick together. But Jude did join me earlier today. Uh, I did a, a short interview with uh, Greg Flamong from UHND, and that's at Greg2126, friend of the pod, bestie of the pod. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we, had, we had an interesting conversation. We had, we had some, uh, some DMs from, uh, from Greg from Saturday night and, and, and into Sunday. And I'm like, man, we have got to talk about this. So, so Jude and I took a took a few moments to uh, to talk to him about it, and uh, we're gonna play that right now. Uh, so, listen up. And joining us all the way from sunny California, hopefully keeping safe out there, is Greg Flamong from UHND. That's at Greg2126 on Twitter, who is our like our bestie. He's one of our best <laughs> friends in the pod. Uh, and after Notre Dame's. Uh, uh, after they decided they were going to show the 1993 Florida State game, there is all sorts of nostalgia getting kicked up. And I got to tell you, something. Greg brought up something to, to Jude and Brendan and I that I haven't heard before. Maybe somebody else has or somebody else has pointed it out, but I've never heard it before. And the way Greg laid it out to us is like, this is amazing. This is absolutely dead on. Uh, you got to come on the show and talk about that. So, Greg, I'm going to hand this over to you and you, you go off, buddy. Just you, it's get on that uh, soapbox and take off. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today. It is a sunny day in California. Um, a nice day to be outside. Not a nice day to uh, go to other people's places, though. Everyone stay home. OK, <laughs> we need college football. We need it. Stay home for Kyle. Maybe I might put a hashtag and stay home for Kyle. That's going to be the, the hashtag on the Twitter <laughs> machine from now on because we need college football. No. So, so, um, as everyone knows, the Notre Dame site, they did the, uh, the, the official account. They did the game watch with the uh, Florida state game from 1993, which is very fun. You know, Lee Becton showed up and Sean Wooden showed up. They answered some questions and that was a good time. And one thing that, 
I noticed just like right away is they, they put on the um, they put on the lower the lower part of the screen when they showed the game watch that that all the 93 home games were available and then Jude tweeted it out. I was much more interested in that just because I, I want to watch games on YouTube and there's a there's a few 93 games that they don't have the full game on so absolutely like, okay right so I was like okay well I'm, this is what I'm doing tonight I don't know about you guys and uh, and it, it's absolutely <laughs> played out and I think Jude had the same idea because he was sending me DMs at 10:30 my time which is 1:30 his time asking me about the Boston College game. And, and he's like, he's ahead. like, yeah, man. Why the hell are you watching that game? He's like, Pittsburgh and Michigan State are available now. And I, I, wa- said, I watch, <laughs> I Pitt today, and Michigan State's on my to-do list tomorrow. Uh, but I watch Pitt today, and I, I have, I have to get this off my chest. That was one of the greatest games, like for announcers, because Col- like to look back on 2020, because Collinsworth is just like trashing McDougal, like constant with the Ron Paulus talk even interviewing Ron Paulus during the game and then, ba- and then saying that uh, Holtz was looking to looking to m- make a move anyways with failure over McDougal. I mean, they just trashed McDougal that entire pick game, which Notre Dame won 44, nothing, by the way, McDougal, it, it was fine. It was fine. But uh, it was, it was, it was freaking amazing. Right. So, yeah. So Jude, I told Jude, what are you watching this game? You what, what? I've seen this game before. I don't need to watch it over again. <laughs> and like, why are you going to just be sad at one thirty in the morning? You're going to have a nightmare. Um, <laughs> but you know, so, so I'm watching, I'm like you, Josh, I was watching the pit game and, and it was 13, nothing at halftime. And they actually benched McDougal, you know, Lou, he was doing the thing where it's like, if you're not, if you're not right, going to do it right, right then I'm going to put in the next guy, you know, that sort of thing. Against Trashy Pitt. And I know a little bit about that season. Because when I was a kid, I got the um, I got the season in review highlight tape, right? That 45-minute production they all put on. So, so I knew that they struggled a little bit against Northwestern. And I knew they struggled, they struggled a little bit against Pitt. Michigan State was kind of a slog. I knew they struggled against Purdue who they only scored one offensive touchdown and that was with 30 seconds left. And we talk about running up the score. <laughs> Notre Dame's up 10, nothing with like, like literally like 20 seconds left and they're on the one and Lou runs it in. Kind of didn't need to do that, but whatever. Gotta look, so gotta look, look good for the pollsters, right? And you know what? He definitely had that in mind and he, he was I mean, right game, by the way. That game was zero, zero at halftime. Yeah. And That's, it got broken open. Because uh, Josh's boy, Jeff Burris, uh, hit the quarterback. The ball throws up in the air, and Brian Hamilton runs it in for a touchdown. So Jeff Burris should have won the Heisman in 1993. There's another take. Maybe that'll <laughs> yeah, be yeah, another, yeah, uh, another Yeah, that podcast. sweet punt return against Pitt. He's not even supposed sweet to return it. Sweet punt return against Pitt. Yeah, he's like Dante from Clerks. He's not even supposed to be back there. And he takes one, <laughs> he takes one to the house. Jeff Burris. Tied sec- second on the team in total touchdowns with seven. Second on the team in <laughs> interceptions. And if he wasn't such a nice guy, he would have had three interceptions against Heisman Trophy winner Charlie Ward. <laughs> anyway, I'm digressing here. But anyway, so I'm, I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, man, they didn't, 
Notre Dame didn't really play that many good teams in 1993 beyond, you know, Florida State, obviously. And so I went back and looked. Northwestern, bad. Pitt, bad. Michigan State, bad. Um, who else was bad that year? Did I already say Pitt? Did you BYU say Purdue? Bad. Purdue, bad. Purdue, really bad. Um, Navy was not good. So I thought, and, you know, I'm looking at the schedule. They, they, they beat number three Michigan at the time. I think Michigan finished like 19th. They were eight and four. And beyond that, they don't play anyone ranked until Florida State and then Boston College. And I thought, you know who that sounds like? That sounds <laughs> like the 2005 team. That's who that sounds like. And it, the parallels to the two teams are like really um, – they're just striking. So the 2005 it's team, scary. Their, their big win was against, I think, number three Michigan at the time. And that was on the road in the second game of the season. They same won by thing. seven. Same uh, thing. Same ranking, on the yeah. road, everything. Yeah. So they beat them. And then Michigan turned out to be not that great that year. They finished seven and five. They didn't play that many good teams. And then they played maybe one of the greatest teams at the time in college football history. And the difference between the 93 team and the 2005 team is that the 93 Wooden, Sean Wooden, knocked down the pass. And the 2005 Wooden, Ambrose Wooden, didn't knock down the pass. And that's the difference. This is absolutely – this is uncanny. This is uncanny. Absolutely. This is the most nuts thing. But it gets – I mean, but it gets even more – like so, so Greg was uh, just messaging us just stats left and right from the two seasons, and it, besides everything he just laid out, it just gets more and more when you start when you start breaking down every part of the season with it. It's like holy shit, this is a mirror image. The difference between '93 and '05 was one pass, was one play. You have you have the lo- the one loss in the regular season. In 93 was to Boston College. They were down 38-17 in the fourth quarter, and they came back and ultimately lost. The loss in the 05 season beyond the (laughs) SC game, they were down 38-17 in the fourth quarter, and they came back and they ultimately lost. (laughs) It's crazy. You have have the um, strength of schedule in – 93, their strength of schedule was 15th. In 05, the strength of schedule was 14th. And I was like, looking, I thought, how is that even possible? And Brandon said that on a, on a DM. Like, how is that? They didn't play that many good teams. So I looked up. It was Sagarin. They used Sagarin. So it's like, what am I going to say to that guy? He's got his computer. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's got, got a algorithm. How do you, how do you <laughs> die? He's out of He had a computer in 93. You had, uh, what was it, scoring offense, 93. They were eighth nationally in scoring offense. 2005, eighth nationally in scoring offense. <laughs> it's the same team. It's the same team. And so, <laughs> I, and I think that, and it's so unfortunate because when I think of the 05 team, I think of, you know, that I don't think of them as, a great team per se. I think of the offense, just like there was a great offensive year. 
team wasn't that good. And then, but, you know, and they got kind of exposed against uh, Ohio State, which was unfortunate. And that's well, something I, that... We, well, well, I agree. I'll disagree about the exposed part to Ohio State. There was a few big plays, but Notre Dame uh, got hosed on a uh, fumble return with Zimikowski in that game. Uh, that game was close. That game was a lot closer than the... Uh, I mean, Ohio State had some big plays, but that game was close. I'd have to talk to someone about who, like someone who knows a little bit more about like the bull dynamics in 1993, because Notre Dame was ranked four and they played number seven, Texas A&M in the bowl game, which well, that I was think. their choice. I mean, so that's their, back, cho- that, back, that, back then it was the big team. Uh, I mean, they all do it. So like, it's a back room kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, I think Notre Dame might've had the option of playing. I, I could be wrong, but they should have had the option of playing. A, I think Florida state in the fiesta again. No, uh, they couldn't play Florida state in the fiesta. Yeah. Florida state. They could have only played Florida state if they had both finished one, two in the fiesta. Right. right. That much. I know. Um, the question that Greg's bringing up is could they have played West Virginia and, and would have been the sugar, I suppose, right? Because West yeah. Virginia went and got to play they Florida and the sugar and got destroyed. They yeah, had a prior and, relationship and, with the, they had a better relationship with the Cotton Bowl. Right. Uh, it act, actually had played in the year prior. Um, and uh, I mean, it, back then, that's what it came down to. It really mattered more about the guys in the funny colored jackets in the press boxes throughout the season than it does now. Now it's it's damn near laid out. Uh, but well, back then it was, it was all, all about who was on the bowl committees and, and, you know, and all that. But so let's pull the string a little bit. If, if Greg, you know, Greg's hunch is right. And they, and they, for some reason, take West Virginia as their matchup instead of Texas A&M, assuming they get that choice and they go and destroy West Virginia's 41 to seven. Does that, does that mean that they get a co-championship with Florida state? Do the, do the coaches put them, uh, Number one, instead of instead of Florida State. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, A and M wasn't a slouch in '93. They weren't a slouch. West Virginia was undefeated like coming into the seven, game. Yeah. So. No, yeah, no, I, no, I understand. I understand, and I get looking at it. Definitely hindsight 2020. I, I think that would have been a a smarter move on their part. But I, I think when they put all of it together, maybe the Cotton Bowl just made more sense to them. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just it's, like looking back because because the 05 team like they didn't get the choice to play like like I was looking at it today. The number seven team in 05 was Auburn, and you know I was looking at like that Auburn team and they finished nine and three with the bowl loss. It's like that team is no. I feel like Notre Dame would have beat them. Basically, is what I'm saying, and. You know, 05 it, it just, Auburn team. the 05 Auburn team. Yeah. What about the 93 still, Auburn team that went undefeated? <laughs> they were on probation, though, right? Yeah, right, right. I mean, we're going to no, throw the, out hypotheticals. The, the point is, is that Notre Dame got to play number seven in 93. Right. And then in nine in 05, Notre Dame played number four, and which was Ohio State, which was, you know, obviously awesome. one of the better teams in college football. Yeah. So it's, Notre Dame it's just a good end of that those draws, I mean, it's, a, they get the benefit of the doubt. They've had the benefit of the doubt for 
25, 30 years of bowl games, but it's always, <laughs> it almost always seems to be like in the big, you know, at least in the big bowl games, it's like, ah, shit, this isn't a really a great draw. <laughs> like LSU in 06, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always I'm always fascinated by these parallels between seasons because, you know, we're old enough now that we've watched a ton of seasons. And and it's funny how things will strike you every once in a while and say, hey, this reminds me of. And I did this last year a lot with uh, with the, actually two years ago with the 2012 and 2018 seasons. Note just noting how interesting it was that um, the run pass mix was so similar between those two seasons and a lot of the. Um, a, a lot of the receiving yards and, and catches and stuff like that were similar between TJ Jones and I think it was Chase Claypool. Um, right. You know, just noticing those little symmetries. It's it's when when Greg brought it up today, it was just kind of like this light bulb moment. Was like, oh yeah, I have seen this season play out. Obviously, it's not it, it's not it's not perfect because Kevin McDougal and Brady Quinn are, are two totally different animals and they're running two totally different offenses. But at the same time, like. This the striking parallels when you dig deep and you say to yourself, well, well, you know, where did this fundamentally break down? Well, fundamentally broke down on fourth and what was it, eleven, uh, with Ambrose Wooden. Fourth, fourth and eleven nine. was right after right after a sack. Matt Leinart's woozy. Uh, I, I think I think he's gone on record before as saying he 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 kind of barely remembers throwing that ball up at all, like like barely saw Jarrett. Uh, and then the, if you go back and watch slow mo on that ball, uh, Ambrose Wooden. I mean, dude, it was an inch it's away inches. from his finger. It's inches. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a Mr. Destiny moment. It was great coverage. It, it, it was a curse on Notre Dame, right? Because you look, you think about some of the bad coverage and blown plays that their defensive backs have had over the last 25, 30 years. And it, it really was good coverage. He was right right with them. And had it just been just another inch that tipped that ball, that's game over. That, that play, I remember – I just, it's so vivid in my mind when it happened, like just devastated, absolutely devastated. Cause I mean, it looked like that thing was going to get dead and then just, you know, everyone knows what happened, but that's the difference. That is the, really the only difference between 93 and 05 was that pl- was <laughs> it's a, it wouldn't, I mean, how this is like, this is a sick joke from the universe. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you look at it, uh, but, uh, Oh, would you would you lay that all out, Greg? My mind was absolutely blown. The the last point I wanted I, to make I, was was um it got brought up you know in the discussion here today and and I think this this cannot be said enough. BC in 1993 was a good team. That was a legitimately good team, and I think a lot of people think because it was 54-7 the year prior that their name should have walked all over them. And, you know, obviously coming off the, you know, beating number one the week prior or whatever. But that that was absolutely not a slouch of a team. Um, so, you know, I think that breaks down a little bit with the comparison to 2005 Michigan State. But, um, you know, that 1993 team, I know I, I know it, it strikes you as, you know, what, if you want to call him little brother, you want to call him Fredo or whatever. Like, I, I get that you're not supposed to lose to BC, but that was a, that was a seriously legitimate BC team. Having said that, um, you know, a combination, a confluence of. A problems caused you know them to uh, you know to lose that game, and one of them was that they had a lot of people that were just banged up. I mean, uh, Sean Wooden actually didn't even play the next game, and he said one of the, the reasons was he had knee surgery uh, the, the the Monday after the Florida State game, and he said he felt his knee buckle when his teammate jumped on him celebrating uh, right. the pass breakup. So I mean, just 
Bobby Taylor was playing with a pole groin. I mean, uh, Lee Becton wasn't a hundred percent. Um, you know, so a lot of dudes just totally banged up for that, for that game. And, and obviously, uh, you know, that, that wasn't, that was a recipe for disaster. So that's the only point I wanted to make on that. I mean, Greg, let me, before we let you go, I want to ask you kind of a, kind of an odd question, but the 93 season, especially the, the, that Florida state game is just, it's a, it's a legendary game, a legendary season in a lot of aspects. Even we claim it as a national championship, uh, one foot down, along with 20 others uh, that Notre Dame should also claim. Uh, just, just, just as every other school in the country would get on the same page. Uh, but regardless, it is filled with nostalgia. It is one of those seasons and that game where fans always point to, and it's one where we, you know, when Notre Dame announced that's who the game watch is going to be. I imagine all three of us kind of have the same reaction, like, you know, big deal. We've seen this game a hundred times, you know, right. I'd rather watch the 93 Michigan state game. Uh, But because of that, you see the same kind of affection for 2005 for that 2005 season. And even, even Notre Dame losing USC fans are adamant about, you know, cause it was a great game, but they, but even with the loss, they still point to that as like one of the greatest Notre Dame games. Like they're able somehow they're able to look past it, which which I find kind of ironic for our fan base. But could you uh, let me get your thought? If Notre Dame, if Wooden would have hit, would have knocked that pass down, how much would 05 have surpassed 93 in in Notre Dame lore here in two, 2020? Um. It's the great it would question. be it would be it would be Notre Dame. It probably would have been Notre Dame, Texas, then playing the national championship. Vince Young r- running all over us. I mean, anything anything's possible, I imagine. But regardless, I, I would still say Texas wins that game. But I mean, would that would that have trumped what happened in '93? It's well, that part is hard to say. I think that my main takeaway from you know the whole exercise of like comparing the two is I gained an appreciation for the 05 team because the, the 93 team is looked at with such reverence. It's, it's, it's like people hold that, that group is like almost as if like national champions, basically. They are national champions. And, right. So <laughs> I sell a T Greg, I sell a t-shirt that has 1993 <laughs> national champions. They are the national champions. And thing they're is, just not the what, undisputed national champions. That's what we say, you know, and it's like and it's just the, the way that it turned out with that we're able to say that. I mean, like imagine a world where Notre Dame beats USC and for some reason, you know, the BCS, the computers, they put USC ahead of us and they play some, you know, they play Texas still and they win. We would claim that national title like now, you know, oh, I absolutely. it's just so, somebody would. So I would claim it. Right. And it's so it's just like it's such a it's such a fickle thing about our perception of teams and seasons and players that there's a, the Ambrose Wooden is an inch away from those guys being legends forever. I mean, because we think of we think of you know, the Oh five guys, like we think of it fondly, but not like the 93 team where it's like, no matter what, even though they lost to BC the way they did, like they still beat Florida state in the game of the century. And that matters to people. And so I think that 
you know, thinking about like, man, you know, cause I think the Oh five team, at least for me, I, I don't want to speak for other people, but there's just been kind of like a, just like, ah, I mean, it was a fun year, but were they really that good? You know, were they really that good? And then when you think of it like this, it's like, well, actually, yeah, they were. And right. football is weird and it's a weird game. <laughs> and, 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 and you're an inch away from beating the number one team in the nation who ESPN was calling one of the best teams of all time. Not one of, they were calling the best team of all time. That, right. That so was nothing but that hype. So I would, if, if I would, you know, give anything to the people listening, like, Hey, give, give a little bit more credit to the O five team. That was a good team. You know, they, they did it. They put it out there. They put the performance out there against the best team in all of college football. According to ESPN, they were an inch away, like appreciate them, appreciate that. And I say that for myself too. I need to appreciate yeah. that a little bit more. No, and I absolutely need, I, I, we are uh, of one mind on that one, Greg. I've felt the same way about the 05 team, uh, especially the last couple of years. And then just, just today, the, the light bulb uh, went from dim to brighter about uh, my more, more of appreciation uh, for that season. So, hey, I wanted to you know, thank you for coming on here and taking the time uh, to do that, to chat with us about all this. I really appreciate it. Everybody can check out Greg on Twitter at Greg2126. Uh, he's over at UHND pumping out good stuff. And also, he is the co-host of the Untitled Notre Dame USC podcast, which uh, he has. He actually has a friend who is a, <laughs> who is a USC fan. They do a, they do a podcast uh, about this, that great rivalry, which is a lot in this conversation. And they're going through some classic games. They went through 2005, yes. and then they did 1989. And Greg, give us give us a sneak peek. Which one's next? We've got 1999 coming up. We yeah, Bob, Bob Davy time. All right, it's Bob yes. Davy. Man, let me tell you, I wrecked <laughs> that game. Is amazing. It's an amazing game. <laughs> I was there. I in wrecked person. my car. I wrecked my car. I was listening to it on the radio on the way home from work, and I can't remember which touchdown it was in the comeback, uh, but. I went nuts and end up hitting the gravel on the on the shoulder and spit. <laughs> I lost control of my car uh, right before uh, the ice cream, like the little ice cream shack here in Hicksville. Uh, I didn't hit anything per se. I just kind of did a little spit out and I had to stop. But uh, I'll always remember that. And I was still celebrating after I came to a stop. I mean, shit, I was only <laughs> 21 at the time. <laughs> what did I care? <laughs> Yeah, so that pod, so we're going to review that game. That pod's going to come out either tomorrow or Tuesday. Awesome. Looking forward to oh, that. Fantastic. I am too. Again, Greg, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're, we're going to have you back on uh, some more during quarantine here because uh, uh, we're going to do some expanded editions, I think, coming up. So thanks again and uh, be safe out there. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Stay home for Kyle. <laughs> All right, man. I'm telling you what, I was absolutely blown away. I, I keep saying that, but I was, I, I did. I never, I don't think I ever once thought, thought about it, about the, uh, Oh five and 93 seasons in those comparisons. And, uh, it, it, it you know, it, it kind of shocked me a little bit, made me rethink and refeel, uh, the 2005 team. So Brendan, you weren't able to join us on that let me get your thoughts on on what Greg threw down. I was I, I was in a similar boat as you were in terms of 
loving that or 2005, then coming to grips with what 2005 was uh, later on. And then I, I was feeling it a little bit, but there was one thing that sort of, it was nagging at the back of my, um, sort of nagging in the back of my skull as I was listening to it. And Greg mentioned that both teams were ranked eighth offensively. Um, Jude brought up the Michigan State angle, which I appreciated. But one thing that I think was severely glossed over when it comes to that 1993 team and the 2005 team is that 2005 team's defense was not great. Um, Yeah, it was atrocious. It was ranked 53rd. They averaged 24.5 points a game in that 2005 season. The 93 team gave up what in the Kelly era and essentially – since then, uh, since 2002, really, um, the second best defense since 2000, it, it would be Kelly's second best defense compared, you know, the 2012 team was 12.8. That 93 team only gave up 17.9 points per game. And I think that that's something that was maybe glossed over a little bit. And, you know, you you mentioned that it was 10 nothing at the half with Purdue, which wasn't great, but it still ended up 17 nothing Purdue. Or, 17-0 Notre Dame over Purdue, that defense balled. And that secondary, they didn't... Yeah, they, they, they had a shutout of uh, a pit, too, that season. Yeah. Uh, we just watched that. That was a... What, Not a great... It was 44 like nothing or something like that. Like a 3-8 and eight pit team. But still, anytime you shut out pit, it's uh Yeah, but we're... I'm just event. shutouts. Like, they, they, yeah. They were, they were getting uh, Dino Babered uh, no, by these guys. They, sh- they sure weren't. Um, I... And I do appreciate it. I, I do see a lot of parallels between the – I do like playing the game of uh, finding parallels between seasons. Um, and Jude had mentioned that he was he was finding parallels between 2012 and uh, t- 2018. I find a lot of parallels actually between the 2005 and 2015 team. Both teams ended up with two losses. Um, right. I, I loved when um, – Greg had mentioned that it was a, a couple of woodens that were the difference in the seasons. It's amazing. It's amazing. But if you think about the 2015 and 2005 team, it was a couple of plays at the two yard line that decided the game. In one instance, it was because the USC quarterback was pushed <laughs> from behind. And in Notre Dame's instance, Deshaun didn't get pushed from behind from the two. <laughs> So it was an instance of one team playing, well, I guess by the 2005 rules, because by this point, um, they decided to change the rules for right. USC. Because um, you, you can push players now, as we right. saw. On the, uh, so they should have they should have pushed. They, they should have pushed, which they didn't. I believe they, they pushed it. Uh, they mentioned it in the 2015 Texas broadcast. There was a, a push at the goal line. But, I can't um, remember that rule changed. When we watched, when we did the game watch of the of the 09 um, Oh, no, that that's when it was. It was the oh nine. It was oh nine yeah. Washington game when like would basically uh, I don't know if it was Chris Stewart. Maybe it was just basically was grabbing like pulling like <laughs> grabbing Rob, or, uh, Robert Hughes and like pulling him uh, right into the, the and, yeah. <laughs> you know I got a I got a funny comparison of uh, oh you're gonna like this uh, yeah. kind of one of those one of those similarities between oh five and ninety three. Uh, Lee Becton and Darius Walker. That's a good one. You know, they're only one digit off of their Jersey, but at the same time, like 
incredible running backs that will never get enough due because of how unexplosive they were in their careers, but like would just rattle off hundred yard, yard games. games. Yeah. And not only that, but they were some of the best screen runners that we've seen in the last 30 years. I mean, straight up. I mean that 93 Lee Becton could run a screen like no other. Darius Walker was the other, <laughs> you know, he could he absolutely own a screen, uh, you know, on a screen. Just, so they, they had similar vision patterns uh, and not really necessarily running styles. Becton used a little bit more power than, um, than Walker, but, but I think there's enough similarities there to look at it. Like, it, you know, once you start comparison, comparing things, you can start, you know, it's like those, it's like looking for the fucking sailboat in mall rats. You know, once you see it, you see it. Uh, a sailboat, just, it's a schooner. Yep, yeah. <laughs> so you just start pulling out little things. And that was definitely, uh, you know, definitely one of them. I mean, even like, all right, uh, you know, Jeff Burris, uh, the love of my life, uh, in '93, number nine in 2005, Tom Zivikowski. Uh, same kind of impact player back there at safety. Same yeah. number. Kick returns. Uh, yeah, I mean. Or punt returns. It was a, a punt return, right? Well, both, both ended up with. Bur- uh, Burris had a funny one against uh, uh, against Pitt, where I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be back there. I, I, and you know, I, I I already mentioned this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But just uh, you just start pulling out these little things uh, into the season, so it really did open up my eyes more, like appreciating the 05 year more than what I had uh, recently. Because, I mean, I, I know fans love it, and I get it, and it's great. But as a person who run, who's – I've been running a website since 2006, there's just certain things that you kind of are tired of talking about. Uh, 88 season, the 93 season, and the 05 season. Yeah. For obvious reasons, people talk about it. It's not that I hate Nanya because they're great seasons. But I just got – you know, it's just one of those – I just – don't know how much more I had to say about it, how interesting it could still be. Uh, obviously they're there for comparisons and, and to put on a pedestal. Uh, but I would just, I would gloss over and I go out of my way not to talk about those years. A lot of times because me personally, and Lisa does a lot of the throwbacks. So she, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff from the Holtz era when she was at school there, uh, which is fine, but it's just for me personally, I just, well, so the 05 was really getting there for me along with the 93 and 88 seasons. And maybe that's why I, it, they were just, it was a really good football team that was just fuck, so close to getting their butts handed to them by Texas in the national championship game. <laughs> that's, that's a, in a lot of ways how the, that's why I think maybe a 2015 comparison is more apt because 2015, what's your favorite win of 2015? Is it Temple? Because that's Temple. the only is Navy was good that year. Um, we were we were going into the Stanford game. We were talking about uh, uh, Navy as strength of Navy. schedule. You can never count Navy. No, and it's the it, same thing ever. with 2005. In one of the disconnects I have between '93 and 2005, and something you cannot put away is the fact that Florida State did happen, and that Michigan State yeah, did happen as far as the the two. Because you could even dismiss the Michigan win. Because I mean, it was just like it. Ninety three and 05 were the same. I yeah, mean, it was eight and four, four seven and five. You're up in it. You're up in Ann Arbor facing a number three ranked Michigan team in both seasons, yeah. and you win. And then that Michigan team uh, ends up 
ends up underperforming the rest of the season. Uh, and so, you know, by the end of the season, it's just kind of, it's just a win over a rival is all, you know, it's not like a big top five win. They didn't keep winning and get, and get back into that, you know, that top 10, top five. So it's easy to, and you should, you know, you kind of dismiss that, that win a little bit. Um, but that you're right. 93 had the Florida state win. That's huge. And just like 2015 would have had the Clemson win would have had it. Uh, or 2005 would have had the SC win. Yep. And that's one of the reasons. And I think it goes back to our heroes podcast heroes two and heroes one Brady Quinn wasn't on there and he's one of the best Notre Dame quarterbacks of, you know, I mean, it's him and, uh, Quinn or it's him and Clawson and Kaiser, um, but we didn't include him on a hero because at least for me, when I'm looking at it is, do I include him as a hero for beating a what seven and six or seven and five or whatever it ended up being the UCLA team at the, at the buzzer there. Um, right. That on- with Quinn, it's always, you know, who did, who did he ever beat? And the two best wins that he had were the two were the first two games of 2006. It was Georgia Tech, which ended up going nine and four, and it was Penn and State that also Penn State went nine and four that year too. And those were the two best wins. And I don't think offensively either. Uh, well, at least the Penn State one was pretty pretty good for and, Quinn. But Quinn struggled all honest, at Georgia Tech. In all honesty, the 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 05 SC game was tragic for so many reasons. But really, like should have been a hero. Yeah, well, Quinn. I mean, Quinn is an all-time Notre Dame hero. Yeah, for many, many reasons, and and he will never lose that status uh, for fans. Uh, when I talk about my favorite Notre Dame quarterbacks and the or who I think is the best, who has been the best Notre Dame quarterback, I will bring up Jimmy Clausen because I think as a quarterback, as a whole, as a player out there throwing the rock, Jimmy was better. However, what, but what I'm getting to is with with Quinn. He had a lot more around. I mean, not, I'm not talking about players. He had a lot more going for him uh, with, with leadership and, and just the way he's able to command uh, command the team and all that. But yeah. it was a fucking shame that, you know, the way they lost that 05 game against SC because his hero status would be, oh, my God, it would just be like 10 times what it is now. And it's pretty damn big as it is now. Uh, and, you know, that – the the loss against SC had nothing to do with Quinn. He balled. He played hit maybe the best game of his career. I don't think that's SC. even an argument. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that well, last. You know he 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 left too much time on the clock. That was his biggest crime. Yeah. Is that he scored that touch? If he and well maybe the ref's biggest crime because he was he was down before. He, <laughs> and this he was down. The story of Notre Dame is leaving too much time on the clock yeah. in games. Getting screwed by the refs one way or another there, but. Uh, Oh, I, I do. Uh, before I, I had it written down, before we move on, before we pivot here, uh, one other similarity between 2005 and one thing that I was very, very happy that you stood up for the 2005 Ohio State Notre Dame performance. I think people look at the box Absolutely. score and or maybe not even the box score because it's not the box score. People look at the final score and they say Notre Dame got their doors blown off. Watch the and game. It was, and it still wasn't like it was a 17 point win. No. You know, it was, it was, it's two touchdowns. Yeah. And the problem was, is that Ohio state's scores were huge. They had huge, big plays, big plays, yeah, huge, big plays. Well, and, and that, and it, I mean, and they racked up 600 yards of offense. 
So that makes it look worse than what it really was. Notre Dame is absolutely in that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was absolutely a football move that was made on that catch and a fumble. And Tom Zivikowski scored a touchdown. Uh, the refs stole that from him. Uh, and that changes everything. Uh, you know, for what, what would happen after that? We, you know, we don't know. We don't have time machines and, uh, and mind control. Uh, but, uh, it makes a huge difference. The whole narrative changes. And I know people hate when I talk about the narrative, but that's important. It's college football. It, narrative is like 75% of everything. That is, that is absolutely true. Yeah. So, so if that play happens the way it's supposed to, instead of the refs fucking us, the whole narrative of that game changes. The whole narrative of Notre Dame changes. Uh, it, at least, I mean, at least, you know, if that time span, so you can't, you can't go back to that as, it was a blowout, you know, loss or whatever in a major bowl game. Even if they lose, it was just a a good game uh, against two two top ten teams. Well, one of the things in in why I brought it up too was I, I'm going to push home that point of 2015 again. The 2015 Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State wasn't really as lopsided for a majority of that game as it ended up being. It was 44-28 at the end of the game. But remember that Joe Schmidt picked a pass and Notre Dame scored a touchdown in the late in the third quarter to get within seven points. It was 28-21 to after uh, Chris Brown caught a touchdown from Deshaun Kaiser. And then Zeke Elliott busts a 47-yard touchdown. Notre Dame follows it up with a pick and a punt. And then they were able to get another touchdown in order to get it within 10. And then it right. just fell apart at the end. But yeah. that's another one of those. And all that, all that without Jalen Smith, all yeah. that being handled by a defensive coordinator who was just an absolute joke. A derelict uh, just, at his job. Yeah. It just, the legend of the joke, of the jokeness uh, of, of Brian Van Gorder only grows uh, with, with years. With each passing day, uh, it's just it's work. so bad. The, the stark difference between Clark Lee uh, and Brian Van Gorder is just, oh my god, <laughs> it's it's like a uh, it's like walking down the street in in uh, USA in the 1920s and walking down the street now. Um, you know, there's probably people out there in the street 1920s. Yeah, there's not just a, a open sewer running through the street like. There's problems where we don't know where to put the horse shit um, because everybody's riding horses in New York City. We we need to dedicate an entire city block to storing horse poop, uh, and that is Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> so yeah, so that I mean, I, I know you're with me on this. That that you know that was fun. Uh, I I did not watch. I was not involved in Notre Dame's game watch, and this all stems from you know Notre Dame uh, releasing the tapes, so to speak. Uh, which surprisingly they, they released all the 93 season, which included the Boston college loss. Uh, but I didn't watch the Florida state game. Uh, I was in there for a few minutes. Uh, and then I had just family stuff. I was, I'd rather have done. I've seen that game a hundred times, yeah, um, me too. but, uh, but you know, we're doing ours. We, we the had real a watch party was on Friday. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> we'd probably need to get that moved back to Saturday afternoon, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had the O'Dine Washington game, which, I, the theme, I guess, was the 09 season. The week before that, we did the Michigan State game. Uh, Washington State. We're just we're living our we're. <laughs> yeah, that might be next. 
I don't know. We, that, uh, now that we got some uh, more options, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but uh, that's where this all stems from is, is every, not everyone's talking about the 93 game. Uh, obviously, because what Notre Dame had their watch party and we and Greg just went nuts. He just he he got himself a little bit of a nibble and jumped into the water and pulled out a fucking whale. Uh, and that was just great stuff. All right. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, you're to get more of me and Brendan just uh BSing along. So be right back. All righty, man. Brendan, you know what bothers me about uh, one of the things that bothers me about this whole coronavirus quarantine thing? Um, no. What 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 bothers you the most I, about it? I ha- I have been a little sensitive to. Uh, to the celebrity tweets, to the videos of we're all in this together, oh, uh, when they're obviously when they're obviously not showing their indoor uh, pools or bowling alleys or the twenty thousand square feet of space that they have, uh, yeah. where their family isn't like on top of each other uh, half the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that John Lennon Imagine uh, video might be the most I've cringed in quite a while. Watching these rich celebrities in their palatial mansions um, sing Imagine. Uh, oh, I, I, uh, at, the, at, the time, at the time, Lennon sang the song. Uh, it was. It, I don't it, know if you've ever. Pretty well off guy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard Elton John's uh, take on John Legend yeah, uh, or John well, Lennon singing that song. It was but imagine it is, uh, having private jets. Or something. What was that? Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was. It was essentially along those lines, uh, a little more uh, risque. Yeah, so that's what bothers him to me. Uh, so I've been kind of like picking off celebrities uh, in my mind. Uh, as like a few, right? Notre Dame's got a few celebrities. Yeah, yeah. You know, for you know, they're they're a high profile program. Yeah. Uh, movies about them. There are. I mean, there's just. There's just a lot of cele- a lot of celebrities send their siblings or cousins or whatnot to Notre Dame. There's, I mean, or you know, if you're Jim Caviezel, you take classes there. Uh, I mean, well, he's Jesus, so yeah, it doesn't get much uh, much more hardcore than, uh, than than Christ himself uh, taking classes uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, that's a pretty big celebrity right there. Uh, so I was thinking, what if we traded? some of our celebrities for other celebrities. What you talking about, I Willis? It, I mean, maybe, I don't know if it'd be like an upgrade or if it would be just like, just a change of pace. Uh, so you're so, saying somebody to maybe um, destodgify the air a little bit. I mean, we have some pretty hip, we have some hip uh, celebrities, but uh, lay it on me. What, what are you thinking here? Well, we, we were talking about this before the show and, and there was one that uh, that I know that you would not do. And I would do. And I don't know if that's because I got the snub uh, on the day that I met him uh, at Notre Dame. But and I, I can't imagine it going any different with the one I'm trading for. Like, it may, go, may have gone worse. But uh, I'm going to trade Vince Vaughn for Will Ferrell. These are bold and, words. Uh, I, love, I love Will Ferrell. 
but and that's the thing. I love Will Ferrell, but I hate that he's a fucking Trojan. Hate it. And maybe that's good for the rivalry. I don't know. Not but only is he a Trojan, but he's Trojan number one. He's leading the team out yes. of the tunnel in instances. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to take him away from that. I'm going to take yeah. him away from all that. And I'm going to put him I'm gonna put him on our sidelines uh, and kick Vince Vaughn off. Okay, so you're getting rid of Vince Vaughn. Yes, I, I, I'm sending Vince Vaughn to SC. So you're and putting I, Vince Vaughn's you're putting play. Vince Vaughn's jersey on Dan Devine's desk in order to bring Will Ferrell into the game. Is that is that what you're telling me here? Yeah. Now it, imagine the imagine the change in room temperature in that movie if that's Will Ferrell <laughs> instead it's of Will Ferrell doing it playing uh, Jamie O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, certainly a different movie. Uh, I. I yeah, that that uh, that would have been the comic relief needed in what is a, a very um, I don't say oppressive, but it, it's very like just, I mean it's just an emotional movie, uh, and it's very on you, much like you know, much like Rudy is kind of annoying, uh, annoyingly is just like shoving like emotion down your throats. Uh, maybe maybe Will Ferrell's Jamie O'Hara would would lighten it up. Um, yeah, it would, it would certainly put a different spin on the entire Rudy story. Um, okay. All right. So you're getting, you're you, getting rid of, you're getting rid of fan number one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, oh, well, I'm getting SC fan number one. Yeah. You're getting I, SC I, fan number one. I'm not sure Vince Vaughn's, I mean, Vince, there's some hardcore Notre Dame stuff going on with Vince Vaughn, uh, especially throughout his, his career. It's true. We do have each other. I just, don't, I just don't know. If, I just don't know if I would call him Notre Dame celebrity fan number one. All right. Listen, we're halfway there. Okay. Okay. But I'll tell you this, Josh. Yeah. You're living on a prayer. I'm getting ready to make a blockbuster trade here. We're getting rid of one. John Bon Jovi. Oh my God! The the bloodlines run deep. The, the bloodlines, the family, the bloodlines run real deep. Oh, like this. I mean, if you trade him, do we do we do we lose everybody else? I mean, I don't know what Notre Dame's band is going to do because it feels like to me that a solid third of their set list is Bon Jovi songs. So we're certainly losing out in that particular instance. Um, it, I guess the next question though, is if we're trading someone of Bon Jovi's stature, right? Cause he's, he is, if, if, if it's not Vince Vaughn, who is the biggest um, celebrity that, that there is, um, so I'm going to have to I say, mean, that jo- who, who, I mean, who's bigger? Well, I mean, I think Bon Jovi's bigger than Vince Vaughn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Celebrity absolutely. Wise. Yeah. Celebrity wise. He's the biggest. But, um, if, but if you're going after like a, I think I know where you're going. So, so go ahead, make, make a trade. So I'm going to do the same thing that you do. And we're going to raid the coffers of USC and we've seen the pictures of it. 
motherfucking Snoop Deal Double G. <laughs> USC's number one music musical fan. Snoop Dogg. I thought Snoop already turned. We're bringing the dog father. I, I, I there's pictures of him. Um, he's, I don't want to he's wearing, him. he's wearing the 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 now uh, lost in the bracket. They have been um, jettisoned. The 2005 um, green Bush Push jersey has been uh, defeated in the brackets, uh, but. There is pictures of it, and I believe it's with Sierra Wood. Am I wrong there? I God, I hope so. <laughs> I think I think that's who he's who he's taking who he took a picture with. But uh, yeah, he's wearing the the 2005 Bush Push green jersey. But I'm taking the dog father, and I'm bringing him here, and I'm bringing a little bit of that West Coast vibe uh, to go with Will Ferrell. Not only do we raid the coffers of USC and take something from them, um. But I mean, he there's some cachet that goes with there. He coaches some kids up. I'd uh, I wouldn't be opposed. That that's certainly just like changing the room with um, Will Ferrell. Uh, bringing Snoop Dogg into the fold certainly changes some things as well, for the better. Oh man, that's a. Uh... You definitely okay. did not see I, that coming. I mean, I, I just, well, no, I didn't. I did not. I, 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 I thought you were going to stay uh, within state's borders uh, <laughs> of, of the great state of New Jersey on that one. Yeah, um, I could have, I could have, I could have gone some other ways, um, but. Uh, no. Okay. I, I, I'm just, yeah, Snoop's, it's just, okay. But he, he's full time. So he, he's, he's ta- full time. He's taking, he is- He's hanging out with the band. He's sending He's hanging his out kids. with the band. We're doing gin and juice at halftime. Um, it's so it's do fantastic. We, do we get his kids instead of Bon Jovi's kids? Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting uh, what's his kid's name? Um, Was it Marcus? Brodus? Uh, he, he played wide UCLA receiver. Did he transfer? Yeah. Yeah, Cordell Brogis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I take that. He ended up going All to right. UCLA. I got another one. All right, what I do you got? got? Another one. You're about to get hit hard on this, and for, and for some older folks, it's gonna hurt. But oh, no. I am gonna trade Regis. Oh no, whole Regis Philbin. Yeah, and and sticking with our our, got to get some of the same, got you know that same line line Seems- of work. Give me Steve Harvey. Give me big mustache energy, Steve Harvey. Who does who what's who does Steve Harvey what's Steve Harvey's team? I have no idea. Don't care. Uh he's he's from now Steve Harvey's from West Virginia. Like that's where he's born. Uh I think raised maybe, but I think he's like a he's up and down. I don't know if he's a West Virginia fan. Uh, I would ha- God, I'd have to Google this, but uh, maybe in the Carolinas or something like that. Uh, but it, does, it doesn't matter to me because uh, Regis like talks a lot of shit. Right. But who do you think's a better shit talker in 2020? Regis Philbin or Steve Harvey? I think the price is right there. It's Steve Harvey. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think that Steve, if we Steve go Harvey to, will create a family feud with his shit talking. I think we can we can we can go to the board and see how many of a hundred Americans think that it should be Steve Harvey, and I think you're probably looking at like fifty four. Yeah, number one answer. I, I I just don't think there's any doubt. It, so you're gonna give up Regis Philbin in order I, for Regis for Steve Harvey. Okay, I think that's more or less a lateral move at this particular point. I think you could have gone bigger. And I, mean, I have the one. I have the one. I could have gone. I have over. the most. In, I have the most important one that we could do. We could uh, build and pay for. Um, what do you got? Yeah. So I'm not sure if you are a fan of. Uh, do you do you listen to the the hit the hit podcast uh, the Shamrock? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, I do. Um. So are you familiar with the ESQ clothing founder, G. Wang? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm making a trade. I'm trading oh. him. He's famous. He's famous. I'm making a trade. Oh, his, his suits an are alum- so alumnus. An alumnus. Oh. And He's, his suits are so dope, man. How can you do this? Are so dope. This is going to come back to bite you. The fans are going to riot. No, because I'm trading him for Phil Knight. <laughs> And we're bringing those Nike box to Notre Dame. And guess what? You thought the Shamrock series were horrible jerseys? Is this a two for one? Do you get to kick Kevin Plank out? Send his ass back to Maryland? Get out of here with your stupid flag. Because now you don't have to worry about anything as far as the jerseys goes because Phil Knight's going to be doing whatever he can. I mean, if you thought the jerseys were ridiculous in 2012 with Adidas or you thought the jerseys may have jumped the shark when they they put the team in World War One military fatigues with um, the Basilica on the side of the, the helmet. No, no. It's going to be even crazier with Phil Knight and the, those <laughs> Nike bucks. <laughs> They're going to be rolling out in like highlighter green jerseys. Ooh, man. You know I'm down for that. Well, I know. Know Camo for highlighter. That. Camo yeah, highlighter green. Break it out. Break it out. Break, break the internet. Uh, at least nothing will be as atrocious as those uh, pinstripes. Uh, so, <laughs> so break it out. Uh, look, I got, I got one more. Got one more for you. This is Blockbuster. This is huge. And a, and a bit of a, a bit of an upset. All right, I'm ready for it. There is a certain pop star. Oh, I got uh, words. Very, very, very famous that had a brother that attended Notre Dame and uh, was was known to be seen on Notre Dame's campus and at Notre Dame's football games. Uh, and Notre Dame decided to pass up on the opportunity of her in the as the first concert inside Notre Dame stadium and instead went with the old man, Garth Brooks, uh, in a winter storm, uh, which is ridiculous. Just a month prior to the Garth Brooks concert, I think she sold out. Was it 90,000, 95,000 at, uh, Ohio stadium in Columbus, a uh, little bit of a mistake. So if, if Notre Dame is not going to use her, no, uh, properly, we are, yeah, just shake it off. We're sending uh, 
we're sending Taylor Swift off with a big thank you. Uh, but I am going to pick up Cardi B because much like, much like Steve Harvey, I need to be a mouthpiece out there. And right now I'm not sure if there's anyone with a bigger mouth than Cardi B. And I'm down for that. I'm here for that all day long. Uh, Taylor Swift has only been, I mean, she's been seen in a Notre Dame hat. She's never like got in front of a camera and talk some shit. If you have Cardi B, I believe you would get five minutes of, uh, of, uh, FCC warning content. That would be fantastic. All right. So who does Cardi B? I mean, curious. I mean, I, look, I, 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 I love, I love Taylor. The, the 1989 album is one of the greatest albums I've ever known. I don't care who knows it. I still listen to that whole album to this day. Uh, there was a, like a, a four year period where he didn't leave our car, uh, our, our displayer. Uh, but if Notre Dame is not going to use her properly, then it's time to move on. I got a counterpoint to your Cardi B. Cause I think there's somebody better and somebody who could have came through in the clutch where Cardi B, I don't think could, cause I don't think Cardi B would, I think that she would probably end up at some point forgetting about her name. And I don't think that she has the, the, the interest that football doesn't seem to be something that she's more necessarily interested in. She seems like somebody who's more interested in perhaps walking around her apartment in like a chain mail dress. She, <laughs> um, no, I'm going to go. I, I like your idea of giving up uh, Taylor Swift, but let's complete the feud and let's really burn some bridges with Taylor Swift. Let's bring in former Taylor Swift arch rival, and college game day, college game day's greatest uh, kicker of all time, Katy Perry, who could have came through in 2012 in order to have guaranteed a victory for Notre Dame, much was, like she did with Ole Miss. It was absolutely on the table. She, <laughs> that is fantastic that you came up with Katy Perry. She was absolutely on the table. Uh, and because I think if she was, this is a fa- this is a family show. Energy. So when I mean on the table, I just mean that was part of the deal that that Katy right. Perry is on top of the table. She might have been on the table in like a Notre Dame pink sweater or something, uh, because there's no reason that that old mess team should have beaten uh, Alabama. <laughs> and there's no reason Notre Dame should have beaten Alabama in 2012. But I feel if Katy Perry would have given Notre Dame the same sort of enthusiasm and um, uh, gusto that she gave where I guess in, in, in the tailgating in that game, she was doing. Um, shotgunning beers with the fans. Does she give and, a shout out to Tommy Reese then? Does she, oh, does she, she would have given a. She tell Tommy to call her. She well, I mean, they probably uh, at some point Tommy would have been hyped up enough for that game. So whenever it um, was obviously struggling, they would have brought Tommy into that game, and Tommy probably would have won his first national title and only national title as a player. Um, as we know, he's going to win an addition. On way to his coach. four as a coach, yeah. Yeah, as a coach, right? Of course. How we have this all settled? Yeah, but that's what would have happened if they would have traded Taylor Swift for Katy Perry. But uh, such is life. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, such is life. Uh, just like this, the life we're living right now. This is why we're this is why we're talking. I don't know. I'd probably be talking. We'd be ta- we'd be doing this in June anyways. 
Uh, we're just a few oh, months sure ahead of like. schedule. Is all. <laughs> a few months ahead of schedule and about to hit the pause is all. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I I want to ask you something. You brought it up on the um, in our little chat. Talk to me about the 1998 season for Notre Dame because I think you and I are on the same page where we're hoping that's the next vault release uh, that Notre Dame puts on YouTube. Uh, is that 98 season, which is uh, maybe unbeknownst to some other people out there, was a undefeated home season for Notre Dame. Yeah, it was a fantastic season for Notre Dame. It did have, just like the 2005 season, a loss to Michigan State, an inexplicable <laughs> loss to Michigan State. Um, but they beat the defending national but that champion. Was, but Michigan. that was up in East Lansing, though. It was up in East Lansing, which surprisingly, since 1993, Notre Dame has won more times in East Lansing than they have won in South Bend. That's a fact. Right. That is a fact. Uh, um, but they they opened up that season beating the defending national champion Michigan Wolverines. And they didn't just beat the defending national champion Wolverines. They crushed them. It was a, it was a three score game. I guess two score with two point conversions. They ended up. Going that season, uh, nine and three, uh, they did wear some fantastic, fantastic, underrated, fantastic green jerseys in that Gator Bowl against Georgia Tech, where they ended up losing. Yeah, they went the white letters, I, which I think is uh, I, that's I, a Leahy I actually, white. I, is what I like this. I like I like the uh, I like the look better than the, uh, the than like the 05 Bush Bush green jerseys. I, I just I do. Me too. Me too. Um, they lost to USC that season sort of inexplicably. It was one of the only losses that Notre Dame suffered to USC in the 90s. Uh, there was a reason why they lost to SC that, that year. Right. <laughs> a, very, a very big reason. A very big uh, that reason. Happened, that was what happened in their last home victory of the season against the LSU Tigers. Which I am standing for that particular game to be the next one foot down watch party. Um, I read an article, uh, was it two years ago or last year, at the one foot down written by one jo- Joshua Vowels. Vo- 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 uh, I, 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 can't, I can't pronounce it, but some guy at this, this website, One Foot Down, wrote a fantastic article about the 2000 or the 1998 LSU Notre Dame game, which Notre Dame beat a, an SEC team in a shootout, 39-36. Um, no penalties that season in that game for me Notre has Dame. my – it's got my favorite number 23 in Autry Denson. And my favorite football player as well as my wife's favorite football player, which is something we bonded over early before we eventually bonded over the pit uh, blowout. Um, but, yeah, it, it, uh, it had my favorite football player in Autry Denson. Uh, Jarius Jackson was electric, maybe the best Irish quarterback until Brady Quinn. Um, that season yeah, was, lo- it was I lo- special. I love Jackson. I absolutely I lo- love Jerry. Jackson. Absolutely loved him. Um, he changed how I looked at the quarterback position. Um, cause he could do it all at least f- As, f- at the time in 1998, he did it all. He ran, he, he was like a precursor to me. I didn't think players like Michael Vick could exist. And Jerry Jackson for me was that kind of dual threat quarterback <laughs> before it became popular. Who, who was like a second slower in the 40. <laughs> Right. Jackson Jackson was so plotting. It was it was always like a miracle uh when he got 20 yards on the ground. But he got him though. It was he got him because the, there was a shiftiness yeah. to him that yeah, I mean people were running around, circles around him but he's still getting 
uh, getting 15 yards on a, guy, on a scramble. It's a, uh, it was always amazing watching him run. Yeah, and that team, I mean, they they could have made some noise, um, if not for the Ferrick victory against uh, the Tigers. Uh, go Tigers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that 98 season. And that's one where it, it for me, when it when it came, it was at a formative part of my youth. Um, that Mich- I mean, I can't overlook that Michigan win. I mean, as uh, a kid who lived in Ann Arbor, it was everything to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was um, 98. That, I guess that was my, my – would have been my junior year uh, at Eastern. Uh, yeah, it's it, – it's uh, it's huge. That that yeah. that win is huge uh, for Notre, for Notre Dame uh, to look at the smug, uh, shitty little faces of uh, of the Michigan players on that sideline. I mean, they really thought they had it after that. Oh, it was Tom Brady. Away. It was it was, it yeah. was oh, Tom, yeah. Tommy Tommy Brady and uh, uh, Drew Henson, oh. the sort of combo well, unit of that. Yeah. Well, we'll always have that. But yeah, ninety eight was a was a fun, you know, it was a, and it was a kind of a weird year all, all around because after Notre Dame beat LSU at home, <laughs> they play LSU <laughs> uh, in, the, in the bowl game in a fucking, in the Independence Bowl. Is there a season like 98 for you? Is there, because 98 is one of those off the, off the, to, to borrow something from your personal podcast, um, the uh, sort of an off the rails off kind the rails, of season. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really thinks about the 98 season. People we've, we've mentioned 93 and 2005 and 2015 is, is a little more, more contemporary and certainly 18 and 19 and even, even 17. Uh, is um, there, is there a season that sticks out to you? I mean, we mentioned 2002 a lot, um, yeah, especially that, for the heroes. Was, and that's the one that comes up to my brain a lot is that 2002 season, uh, obviously pre BC. Right. Um, so, uh, for, so as far as a full season, not so much, <laughs> but I mean, it was just, it was that eight, no start was such an amazing run. And, and it wasn't just because they won eight in a row start of the season. It was the way in which they did it. So it gets overlooked a lot because people will say smoke and mirrors. Uh, and that, and that's fine. I, I get that. Uh, but, I, I haven't come up with a proper term yet. Uh, magic. And we'll make one up one day. Uh, yeah, pure magic, maybe, uh, is what it was. Because uh, it was just, it really was unbelievable to watch the yeah. way they won some of those games. Um, so that year, uh, I don't know. I mean, 2010, only because of the way it, the way it ended. Yeah, it, I understand it was, that. It, it was such an incredible turn of event. I mean, oh, that's the, good. the tragedy that struck Notre Dame that, that year, uh, and then the turn of events that happened, you know, from the Utah game on, uh, to, to turn everything around. Uh, and then, you know, then beat Miami and just laying waste to Miami in the, in the sun bowl. Um, so I, I have a special affinity for 2010 that most people probably don't have. Um, I, you know what? I, I like that pick because it, it had the deck, but a lot of people forget about Matt James before yeah, that season in the springtime in the springtime. Um, cause that was horrible too, leading into that season. And then and there I, was Declan. I believe he was, uh, he went to say that he was Cincinnati. Yeah. I Luke, that was where Luke Massa was from too. So that was a teammate of James. Uh, and, and, uh, Massa was, 
spent his his time at Notre Dame. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot there was a lot going on. Uh, that was the year Freak Base came out. Uh, yeah, Freak Base. It was Kelly's first season. It's but I mean it broke the USC. It broke USC. Yes. Um, it got the Utah win was huge. I think a lot of people overlook the Utah win as being well, I just something think that, of significance I think that USC, because it was a top ten win. Yeah, I think that USC win is is something that's overlooked. I mean, I was making fun at USC earlier on Twitter uh, because in the uh, in the '93 game when Notre Dame was running out to the field where they're getting in the tunnel, we're getting ready to run out to the field to start the game. Uh, all you could hear was USC's band playing, and they were playing the whole time. Notre Dame's running out on the field while Notre Dame's playing. And I'm like, imagine the disrespect and the bullshit they're laying out there. And this, and this is a Notre Dame team that had beaten SC 10 fucking years in a row. And you're inside Notre Dame's house throwing that kind of disrespect, and yeah. you're about to catch an, an 11th beating in a row. Would, uh, would you? And so the 2010 game, I, I draw that uh, that parallel there because – that was just a huge moment for if you're a Notre Dame fan uh, to to finally get to get that streak over with losing to SC, uh, having come so close in 05. Um, it, it, I mean, they, having it wasn't a close, so close game. in 2009. 2009 yeah. was they had a Clawson had the ball it, in the red zone. Yeah, it was. It, you knew the time was coming. The, the day was going to come, uh, but it finally happened. So that. That SC game is, you know, I, I'm sure most people would probably rank the 2012 SC game ahead of that because that was a game that it's always great to dance on your in your rival's uh, field as you went undefeated. I mean, all that was fantastic. But just getting that streak over with was so important to me. And I know a lot of people don't feel this w- the same way about Michigan State that I do, but much of that same about, you know, you know Michigan State was beating Notre Dame for years. Uh, there was a, they had a, they had a nice little streak going and then there was a streak going where Notre Dame couldn't beat them inside Notre Dame stadium. Uh, and so getting those wins, uh, was another, was a big one. Um, you know, for me, like just huge, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely huge. So those seasons were, were able, were, you know, are something that's big to me. So 2010, uh, might be like more of like my 98. Or, you know, more I, like 98. I can get behind that one. Um, fun fact, uh, which I don't think a lot of people will discuss about. We are at the end of the decade, unless you're Jude's decade, which is weird. Um, but the <laughs> 2000, <laughs> in the 2010s, did you know Notre Dame went 7-3 and three against USC? Because I know that Notre Dame went 7-3 and three against USC. USC only won three games last decade against Notre Dame. Did you know that? Uh, I... I've been running a website for uh, 13 years. I'm, I'm just, well aware. I just want to make sure that we put that out into the ether. Um, yes. That, yeah. Uh, can, can, can we can we just make sure that the people understand that USC only won won three games uh, last uh, the last 10 years the last 10 years against Notre Dame USC only won three games. I'm just just putting that out there, um, making let's, sure that if we're going to bring up 2010 that we uh, we, well, let's, we uh, sh- let's stay on the SC kick here. Um, something that I think, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure I've talked about it before in this podcast, uh, because I talk about it quite a bit, but it bothers me that the Notre Dame USC rivalry isn't bigger. 
in a sense, uh, like it's, you know, it's always hit or miss. Uh, there's so few times where both teams are ranked, let alone like ranked in the top 10, ranked in the top 10. And you know, I always, they always say the greatest, it's the greatest, greatest intersectional rivalry in college football. Well, it's fucking the the only only intersectional rivalry. Yeah. You know, until, until we get 20 years from now, when maybe you could say West Virginia, Oklahoma state. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Thanks Jim Delaney. Uh, like you're so you're putting us up against like Navy and Air Force, uh, yeah, I don't know. Colorado and Maryland. Um, <laughs> that's the problem. But, you're right. It's like two, but it's it just two ships in the night. Be, they pass each other, and they're never able to. Notre Dame and USC are never able to get on the same page. They never have been able to, except yeah, it's just, for it's like, I guess the it's late eighties. Like Eighty-eight, eighty-eight was a uh, one-two showdown, right? Yep, in the college. Yep, and Lou left the boys at home, and it didn't matter because um, USC fucking sucks. But other than that, I guess you could point to 2005 was the last. <laughs> the 2000 I mean, SC, and, uh, 2015 SC was ranked. Coming in. was ranked, and they finished, and there was talk of them being the hottest team in college football at the end of the season. Kirk Herbstreet was, what, was, what was gyrating. What was the score? What was the score inside South Bend that night? 41 to 31. 49, 14, sir. Oh, you're talking about 17. Yeah. 17. Yes. Talking about 17. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. But, same, but in the same, same sense, SC was ranked, uh, ranked. and finished the season fairly hot, well. Hot. Yeah. They were a hot team in America. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, that, if that's, you know, Notre Dame fans will will die on hills when it comes to talking about rivalries. And in fact, we've talked about it so much and there's been so many hills made. Now there are, you know, now there is a the lexicon that we have helped develop here at One Foot Down is big R, little R, you know, big rivalry, little rivalries. And SC is definitely big R. And I just I just I'm, I'm I just don't feel it. I don't feel it from the fan base. Uh, there is that special hatred for Michigan. Um, so maybe now that the series is in total limbo, um, maybe that shifts again, but they really need SC to step up to the plate. I mean, they absolutely need SC to step up to the plate and become better. Uh, it's, you know, not like any of us are rooting for SC. I'm not one of those people that are like rooting for a team. I hate to win. So if we win, it looks better. I don't fucking care. I hate them lose every game, but every time. But I tell you who it is. This, I can this, tell you who it is right now. This has nothing to do with rankings. This has everything to do with gravitas and my enjoyment. Uh, like a, a big game against SC is is everything to me now, especially now that there's no Michigan State on the schedule every year. Um, at least I had, you know, I, I had Sparty to hate on every year. and Don't have that now. SC's uh, and, old hat. Michigan State's old hat. You want to know the new hotness? The new hotness is if Notre Dame can keep up their end of the bargain. And this, if if we play this November, it's Clemson, baby. Because if Notre Dame could pop Clemson and win this game somehow in 2020, they're going to see Clemson again in 2022, and they're going to see Clemson again in 2023. And right. this Notre Dame team is it's, it could be play. the new Miami. It could be, it the, could new be Miami. the new Miami. They got three games in the next four years against one another, and that's not even mentioning the fact that if Notre Dame can ball out with Tyler Buckner in 2021, baby. With Tommy Reese, uh, 
so what Brendan's laying out is that there is a pot, there is a possibility if things if things go right where Clemson creeps into that little R category of of Notre Dame of Notre Dame rivalries. It gets uh, to that Miami if, if status, get, and that's huge because if you get Clemson into little R status, that means you won one or two against them. You gotta uh, that, win. You gotta win one. Yeah, I, I almost say that you have to win this one. You have because. To. You have to win this one because, or else then you're looking at an 0 3 hole, and then 2022 comes around, and it's home again in 2022, by the way. Um, so you, yeah, if you, you get if you get win. this one, you got you have the leg up you on the next one in 2022. Yeah, that's huge. And then so, and then things get uh, they get spicy. <laughs> it's it, it jumped up from mild to medium. Yeah, now we're at medium. Um, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes there. Um, but I'm interested to see, cause you have to assume that this ACC arrangement that we have is going to create some rivalries and well, I mean, you'd there, hope it's there's Clemson? the, there's the little R's built in already and that whether anyone wants to admit it or not, you, you have your little R's with, with Pitt and with BC. Right. And that, that's not going away. Um, Pitt's back next. There is, you know, talk when I talked to uh, Caroline of the Caroline, my boss, one of my bosses here at SB Nation, uh, when I talked to her last year in a podcast, and I, I just asked her straight up, like, you know, what do you think about Notre Dame, Notre Dame's role in the ACC? Uh, and, and what do you like? What do you don't like about it? And one thing that she mentioned that, that I think – We've all we've all said in jest maybe here and there is that she really wishes wishes Notre Dame was a full member in the ACC because that could be Virginia's real rival, which like shocked the shit out of me when you think about Virginia Tech, especially what they did. They finally beat Virginia Tech this right. year. <laughs> but what she was getting at was that, you know, there's a lot of fancy dancy sports that both schools are in. Uh, basketball, lacrosse, lacrosse being one of the, uh, you know, fencing. They have some good. No, 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 no. Virginia does not have fencing. That's that's right. That's right. That's so funny. How are you the fucking Cavaliers? Your mascot has a sword. How are you not fucking you're Virginia? How do you not have a fencing team? I do not get that. She does not get that either. But besides all that, she, she made a, from, from a Virginia fan standpoint, uh, she, she made a very compelling case of why she would want that. And it made sense. Now, I mean, I don't care. I don't, it was very Boston college fan explaining to Notre yeah, Dame. I, fan I don't, why. I don't feel that same way. Uh, yeah. but I understand her feelings on it and it makes sense to me and I'll take it for what it, I mean, I'll, I take it for what it is. It, she's right in a sense that that's how they could look at it. I don't believe Notre Dame or Notre Dame's fans would look at it that way, but Virginia certainly could. And that's fine. And that makes for a little more interesting things down the road, but, but so, yeah, so you have Pitt and BC little R's built in, uh, whether you guys want to admit it or not. I mean, they just, Pitt is Pitt, uh, and I'm 41. So I've had a lot of Pitt games in my life. There's been some Pitt losses that have been absolutely tragic, uh, brutal. And then there's, there's BC, which none of us are going to call them a rival really, but no. they look at it that way. Everybody else does. There's two fucking trophies, uh, it, it, it is a little bit. 
I mean, it really is a little bit. And if you talk to players, and I think this is where I get my, when people start scoffing about like Michigan State or even when they would scoff about Purdue, it would be ask the players what they think. And they would look at it that way. They would look at it as a rivalry game because this is who their, their career, they're going up against them three or four times. That's a, that's a rivalry in your, in your time frame. You know, you think about your, just think about in high school, uh, you play in a team four times. That's a rival, right? It's a rival, so, which I think the Clemson one makes more eight. sense than Virginia would because Notre Dame's played Virginia three times in their entire history. And at the conclusion of next year's game or this year's game, Notre Dame will have played Clemson three times in the last, you know, five years. And they got more games on the horizon, while Virginia, I just don't see that having the same sort of gravitas that that Clemson would have, or even, I mean, Notre Dame, and, and the problem with Miami is, was, is when you look at the future scheduling, they don't play Miami again until, what, 2024? Yes. So it's another yeah, it four years yeah, before Notre Dame. You, you would have had played Miami, or sorry, it was Clemson, what? Three uh, times, five, no, Three five times. Well, five times, five times in nine years. Yeah, they will played them. They they will have played them in 20, uh, 2015, 2018, 2020, 2022, 2023. I mean, Clemson at that point, that is that is rivalry status. And if Notre Dame can pick up some dubs, years, that's that's solid. And, that's and already uh, with two matchups they played out of, out of the five already. One was a giant, giant Huge. game in prime time uh, yeah. that saw Clemson go on to uh, uh, to start their dynasty. Yes, the beginning of their dynasty can be pinpointed to that game, and Pretty then in good. 2018 uh, in the playoff, in which they mm-hmm. went and just beat the crap out of Alabama, uh, it solidified their dynasty. Yeah, yeah, that's it's so, cylindrical. And the, maybe the Notre Dame on the, can... on, the back, on the backs of Notre Dame. <laughs> Maybe Notre Dame can seal that dynasty, crush the dynasty, right? And then Dabo can go to Alabama when Nick Saban retires, and then we'll have, uh, we'll go full circle. Yeah, only only you can destroy what you create, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the best way we can look at it. But all right, China, come up with the, the cure for COVID. Bring it up, yeah. Bring it all back around. I, I got a question I want to ask you because I'm not sure if I've asked you this yet. And I talked about it on the, in an off the rails show, and I talked about it a little bit with Matt Brown, and uh, that was it about you know in a in kind of a make believe scenario. That's that's very believable. If SC would go, if they would move to independent status in football, leave the Pac-12, and then we were talking about the yeah. thought thought that you know Matt was the first one to bring it up. Just he just thought you know what if NBC just offers. USC a deal. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. You would have Notre Dame and SC on NBC every Saturday, day game, night game, kind of a combo. Oh, so <clears throat> or, you know, not every Saturday, but you know, your home games, you, it's a good way to work it out. Uh, and then yeah. maybe we'll a shift towards the end of the year rivalry game that it deserves uh, with the, uh, the battle for the jewel shillelagh on NBC. Like they could really like, Make that game. Uh, this is going to fall deaf on some years, but it'd be, it would have like an Army Navy feel to it. 
uh, or maybe just like an SEC championship game kind of feel to it because it would be the big – NBC would build that shit up. You know what I mean? I that love would be, where your head's at. I love where your head's be at with so, that because does it feel like to you when you watch a game on, on NBC that NBC feels like they need to go out of their way to undersell the, the Notre Dame angle? And, and it goes well, back to the fact that they've hired Pat Hayden and that they, they hired – who is a BC guy and then they absolutely. hired – They've, they've hired they've nothing but BC guys. They've they, always maintained – well, and USC. They, they've always maintained that they are not the Notre Dame or, network, um, except for the fact that you know every Saturday you see Notre Dame football on NBC is what their fucking logo is. I've always said – I cannot understand for the life of me why they just don't go all in. And they act like it's some big – they would lose ratings. Look, nobody's watching Notre Dame games that – you're, if you're watching Notre Dame on NBC, it's because you're a Notre Dame fan or, or you're, you're a fan of the team they're playing or because Notre Dame is in a close game and people are tuning in to see to try to see them lose. None right. of that is going to change if you go, I, I want to say full Homer, but go Homer enough because that's your fucking product. Put Sell your product. Don't put BC alum Mike Mayock or BC alum Doug Flutie in there or Pat Hayden who came back from – what was he down? Like 36 points at the half and beat Notre Dame throwing like six second-half touchdowns or whatever it was. You don't have to pick the rivals to be the color commentaries. I guess I like the – I'm not really like – I'm not like begging for a Homer broadcast, but like for for my own thing. But I just kind of – I want NBC to stop fucking pretending – that Notre Dame on NBC isn't a logo. Uh, you know, it's just it's such a charade. If they had, Nobody believes if they it had anyway. another if they had another property and it was USC, they would be able to lean on that rivalry twice as hard as that they as uh, they could. That's what I'm saying. It would it, it would it would give that I've used this word what five times in this segment. It would give it so much more gravitas. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic word. Because, I mean. Like it, it would probably force Notre Dame's hand and bring in the Jules Chalet out of the field. That would be on the field. This is what they're playing for because they need that segment, right? <clears throat> but it would be I, I, I couldn't think of a better if if SC went went rogue, which I don't think they will in the end. But if they did, the best thing for Notre Dame for and for NBC would be to get SC into the fold. I don't know if that's SC's best interest, but right. I could see it. But it could be. It's Notre Dame's. It'd be I mean, Notre Dame's best interest. You're on. You're on a. I mean, CBS. I mean, Matt made a good point of like, see, look, CBS is going to be sniffing around for some product since they lost all the SEC. And so, they lost know, uh, Navy. They lost Navy, by the way. Yes. Uh, Navy yes. has been it, yeah, part of the AAC. Right, because the, so. the, the Ireland game was going to be on ESPN or mm-hmm. maybe ABC, but either way. Um, but but yeah, I, I you, you could see CBS picking them up. But if, 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 if that would work out, if, if that could happen, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, SC's uh, uh, athletic director a month and a half ago, what I, talking some mad shit. Um, you know, about uh, bone, uh, he, he put a bone out there. He former Cincinnati athletic director, right? He, you know, no Missed one's happy about- with what's going No one in the, in the pac 12 is happy with what's going on financially. No, and absolutely. Not when they've seen what's going on with this pandemic. No one knows what's going to happen after this anyways. And there could be all sorts of changes, uh, probably smaller changes, but regardless, right. uh, it, it could be something. So 
if NBC was like to say like, yeah, we'll give you the same kind of contract that Notre Dame has. If you go independent, we'll set this up, blah, blah, blah. That would be, I think that would be, it would be steroids with a shot of Red Bull. Uh, Josh, so for, Josh the, for, for that rivalry game. You're not too keen on the fact that if you Google Jude Shalali, Matt Liner, or not Matt Liner, but um, Carson Palmer is the one that comes up, right? You're not a big fan of the fact that Carson Palmer comes up holding the Jude Shalali, right? No, like the first 40 photos on Google? No. Yeah. Um, how long have you had press credentials to um, Notre Dame football games? Uh, going back to 2012, but I, every, every so, season, full, full season started in 16. So the last, so uh, that's at least two home games where potentially you could have, uh, that's two wins where you could have asked Brian Kelly. <laughs> why, why isn't the shillelagh on the field or well, why aren't you and so, so we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to need you to go on the record and explain yourself why, as the number one fan of uh, rivalry trophies, why you haven't asked this of Brian Kelly yet. That's a tough question uh, because it literally is, that has been on my mind. I, I mean, I have thought about some way to ask Brian Kelly that um, and a win after SC always seems like the right time. Uh, right. It, so after after Eric Hansen asked about injuries, why can't you get no, in it, there? Ask it, about it, the yeah. In 2017, uh, I believe I just it, it, the press conference went pretty quick. And there, I mean, there, look, I, I am down the totem pole um, to ask questions. And I and I, it was written. I remember it was that was written on my pad. Uh, and I, I just think when it, as it started, as the question started getting laid out, it seemed more and more like a, not bullshit question to me, but it was seemed like more of a bullshit question, uh, out at that time. Right. And then in, and then in 2000 and, uh, the last year, um, they were just, I just happy to be there. No, I didn't, I didn't go to, I didn't go to the press conference after the game. I, yeah, I do remember that podcast. I, I last year I, I had a I don't say a protest, but I, it is a they have turned this into a hour and a half wait after the game to get Brian Kelly into the media room, and there is enough. I I just did I don't I don't like doing that anymore, so I stay I stay up in the press box uh, and I'll watch the press conference. Uh, up there while I'm working on some sto- on some post game stories, um, it's just it's just a, it's just a long time. Uh, <laughs> so that's what happened last year, and it, it, it absolutely should have. And one of these days, I'm going to get that question across because it, I, I need to find out the answer from Brian Kelly. Uh, like, look, why not? Because we know BK loves the trophies, right? Oh, I love the trophies. He had a trophy case built for him. He talks about them. He, he puts them out there, you know, why can't they get it? Do this on the field. Let the players pass, pass that shillelagh around after a win. Now Jude's brought up the point before about, you know, well, what happens if they lose? Well, they lose. So f- that that's what fucking happens. That's, that's what rivalries are about. You know? 
So here's but, what you do. You send an email to Matt Brown um, or a text or um, carrier pigeon or smoke signal to Matt Brown. You get him to fly you out to Los Angeles for the game next year. Maybe you can have front of the pod Greg surf you around Los Angeles. And then after the game, after Notre Dame wins by 14, um, you can then ask Brian Kelly, hey, Brian, why didn't you ha- bring the Jewelry out into the Coliseum and uh, plant it in the center of the field? <laughs> one of these days, we... <laughs> We will get to the bottom of this one of these days, I swear to God. All right. Well, we got to start wrapping this up. But, but you know, we got we got one thing to get to get done here before, before we say our goodbyes. We got a review. Uh-oh. No. Is it a five-star review? Yeah. Is Is good it, review. Yeah. Five-star review. Okay. Uh, once, again, once again, if you if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review – if you leave a review, I will read it verbatim on the Catch podcast. trouble last time. It did get me into <laughs> a whole lot of trouble. Uh, did you lose your my... sponsorship with Home Run In on that? <laughs> As you are sponsored I, by Home Run In, they sent you all the swag. So yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think that's they don't, they don't gotta know, they don't gotta know, <laughs> they don't know anything about the tombstone. Uh, so, uh, but that was an excellent use of uh, of. Of the reviews, uh, and and in that spirit, we kind of got another one. In, kind of. <clears throat> this review is from user one two three three two one one two three three two one four six seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's that's the name. So here we go. Josh was right. Josh was right. The T formation is more than worthy of a revival. Hashtag revival. Oh, I'm, I'm on board. Now that I have your attention, if I remember the OFD Faustian bargain of UA, will read anything and everything continues to bind you. With that said, I'm glad to hear you finally say you're looking for a second year Notre Dame law student to contribute, unpaid of course, <laughs> to OFD. Shockingly, I know the exact person for the job. Not only can I bring the deep on-campus, deep analysis, he used deep twice in one sentence, of Tony Jones, cuts through the law school to get the class, and I saw Ian Book on the shuttle today, but I also played four years of college football and left with multiple graduate assistant job offers, which qualifies me to say, wow, Kyle Hamilton is good at football. After hearing all of this, at the minimum, your Faustian bargain binds you to at least say you're hired. I'll start Monday. There it is. But his name's all numbers. So how can you hire just a, a series of numbers? He doesn't yeah. even leave a name. Look, I, I will, I will own up to this. So go ahead and email me subwaydomer26 at gmail.com. Email me. We'll, we'll set something up. But I mean, look, you can never have enough lawyers. History has shown the man with the most lawyers wins tell that to 2015 virginia (laughs) (laughs) so i will lawyer up completely uh so yeah bring it on man send me an email we'll we'll set something up this guy obviously is a big tiktok user and listens to gary v 
uh, and he's he's feeling really empowered. He brought it right there. That's a that's a Gary V move right there. So good on you. Thank you for the review. Uh, I look forward to that email. Uh, and again, everyone, I'm going to have to start giving fucking lawyers. Uh, now I'm going to have to start saying uh, I will read everything with no non-binding. Uh, yeah, non-binding. I'm going to use this lawyer to get me some lawyer language uh, <laughs> or this wannabe lawyer, I should say, to get me some lawyer language. All of the things uh, that Josh Josh reads is non-binding. Yes. Unless it's Bob Pizza. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not binding for pizza. <laughs> You're not going to trick me into that shit. All right. So we have come to the end of our time. Do you have anything left to uh, to give our re- our listeners here? No, I'm just uh, just here so I don't get fined. Um no, I'm uh, I'm excited to see where we're going for the next uh, the next live stream. If you guys haven't been on these live streams at this point, the 2009 MSU and then uh, 2009 Washington OT Thriller, they've been absolutely electric. Um, and the way that we've been doing them is through YouTube Premiere. And the whole staff, basically the whole staff, OFD staff is on there um, and everybody's interacting. It's It's been a lot of fun. Um, the wife and I, it's a cozy environment. It's a cozy environment. It's been cozy. The wife and I were, were playing while watching some pandemic, uh, on, uh, Friday. Uh, You know, we we don't have the big names of like Sean Wooden or Malik Zaire. We got, uh, but but we have Tyler James, uh, uh, who who has been to both of them. Lamont's on there. Uh, Greg. Yep. Greg stops in. Uh, and it's, if you're going to ask us a question, I'm not, there's no robo, robo voles there. There's no robo. Ua. Uh, so we have a good time. It's, a uh, is definitely something to, uh, to look forward to in this time of no sports. And I will choose games that aren't, that are, they're off the beaten path a little bit. Let's put it that way. Uh, so it won't be so, uh, I won't be so bold as to try to watch the 93 game when Notre Dame's watching the 93 game. Uh, or if they do the snowball next week, it, we definitely won't be doing a snowball on ours. I liked the afternoon. I liked when we did the afternoon game and Notre Dame did the night game. That was, that was a fun combo. The double header was uh, a nice touch. Yes. But you know, we, even in this day of quarantine, we all still have schedules and families. So, uh, we're, we're trying to work around, uh, everybody as best we can. So, so with that, I think we're done y'all. Uh, just remember, please, uh, Set up a prayer, send up a, a peace sign, kiss those lips, uh, send that out there into the universe for Jude and his family. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everything all works out. Uh, this is a crazy time. No one knows what's happening. Uh, Dabo Sweeney has no fucking clue what's happening. Uh, so just, uh, just hang tight. Be cool. Uh, one of the things, uh, I can't remember where I, saw from, but it's, it's common sense, but I mean, stress is one of the biggest killers, right? Uh, and in this day and age, in this time that we're living in right now, there's a lot of stress. Try to live each day as stress-free as you possibly can. Yeah. Just, you know, when we pull out some, some Obi-Wan Kenobi and, you know, let go, you know, let unlearn what you've learned, man. Uh, it, you just kind of have to go with the flow a little bit, not to get too hippie on you, but, uh, don't let this, uh, this time at home, be a bother, make it, you know, 
make it something else. I'm thriving. I don't want to brag, but I am thriving in quarantine right now. Kind of uh, am too. I've been uh, I've been spying on my neighbors. Um, yeah, definitely been. Uh, you got definitely some naughty, you got some naughty neighbors. Man, they've been throwing house parties every day. They've not been social distancing, and they don't give a fuck about this college football season. So I'm about ready to call the cops. But uh, you'll end up seeing me. Maybe next maybe next podcast I'll be in stitches because that's what snitches get. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, change my Google alerts to neighborhood in Ann Arbor and <laughs> see see what happens from that. So. No, man, I've been, I'm working. My Father's Day, I was supposed to look like this uh, chick Autumn on Beachbody. I've thought about yeah. photoshopping it, and I thought better of it. Yeah, I appreciate you not doing that. Uh, although, that might be funny. I already, I already <laughs> had it done, and I, I put it in the trash can. <laughs> uh, so I went for a two-mile run on my, on my treadmill today. Uh, I haven't broke that bad boy out in a couple years. Uh Finish it off with some Gatorade and vodka. Just roll it along, man. Uh, that's about 2020 is crazy. 2020, man. It's we're all we all deserve T-shirts after this year. We all deserve <laughs> we all deserve a lot after this. It's year. real Mad Dog. He's uh, this 2020. Mad Dog. Oh man, Mad Dog 2020. That's great. That's let's live our lives like that. So thanks again, and uh, hopefully we'll have a. Um, uh, I will have another book cast out here. I can't uh, just, wait. If you, those are fantastic. Everyone, immediate, immediate how, listen. How is my Irish brogue? I, I thought it was. Um, it's good. It's good. It is definitely not the best accent that you do, um, which is uh, your um, Newt Rockney. Uh, I would have that uh, placed into my veins. Yeah, Frank's uh, brogue, when you hear people talk about him. It's a much more relaxed brogue, and I have a hard time. I could do like a hardcore, like almost like character style. Yeah, you get that. It's almost snatching in your well, uh, yeah. to, to go back. Um, but you're a lot of come here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not as good as your um, your Newt Rock. You doing over there on the ten yard line fumbling the ball? I'm not quite I, sure what you're doing over there, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that we can all do this accent. That's what I'm saying, man. So that sounds better. But uh, but yeah, I'm having a good time with that. Um, you know, maybe the, maybe the, an off the rails podcast will come up. Uh, but I'm I'm really pressed for time. I've uh, all week long. It's amazing how much shit I got going on at home. Uh, now that I'm a butler teacher, uh, holy crap! So, yeah. all right. Well, again, thank you for stopping by. And as always, go Irish.